Good morning again. It's a beautiful fall day here in Minnesota. The sky is gray. The leaves have fallen. There's a brisk chill in the wind. It's a day to stay inside and eat apple crisp. We've been talking about rest lately. Um, the Sabbath day and what the Sabbath day pointed to. Uh, and that leads us to really what I want to focus on in these series of podcasts. And that's this dinner that Jesus was invited to, where he says a lot about rest and kingdoms and uh, what he came for. So let's read just the first couple of verses of Luke 14. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts of the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. Then he asked them, If one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say. Uh, then he goes on with three events that we're going to look at in depth over the next few weeks. But first, I'd like to talk, as I have been, of the Sabbath. This event happens on the Sabbath. It tells us that in the very first verse. What was so prominent about the Sabbath and so important about the Sabbath that caused Jesus to do all his healing on that day? We know from reading the Gospels that the anger of the Pharisees was so aroused against him that they eventually killed him uh, for violating the Sabbath day in their view. So what was it? Couldn't Jesus have avoided all that problem if he had simply healed on another day? He could have avoided the fuss. He could have avoided the problem if he had just come on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday and done the healing. It's my contention that the healing and the Sabbath were all a sign of something greater to come. And it was very fitting that the king who was coming for his kingdom heal on the day that was set aside to point to the kingdom of God. We were all created to enter into God's rest, as we have been saying. We were not created for slavery. We were not created to work until we're dead. We were created to rest. And yes, there's a joyous work of tending the garden, but that work passed away a long time ago. Now, creation is being redeemed and we all long for something far greater. Where are we going? Where are we heading? What are we doing? The Greek word that's used is telos. It's the end. It's the final. It's the finish line. It's the consummation of everything. The telos. It's the point of all of it. And the point of all of it is that we will one day enter in to the new heavens and the new earth with a new king a greater king, a king that doesn't rule like the kingdoms of this earth with bricks and mortar and scaffolds and crosses and slavery, but a king that rules by his word and by his spirit, by love. We're not there yet. It won't come to pass on this earth. 
It's directly opposed to the kingdoms of this earth. And that's where the conflict comes in between Jesus and the Pharisees of every age. The Pharisees were sure that the kingdom of God would be just like the kingdom of David. And what did David do? David slaughtered the Philistines. He ran out the Ammonites. He slaughtered the Moabites. He uh, drove out the Edomites. He conquered their kingdoms. He brought peace with the sword. But as soon as peace was in his kingdom, we see as we read through the text that David himself was also a sinner. And so even in David's kingdom, there was still rape and murder and death and slaughter and plague and illness. And where are all those people that were in David's kingdom? They're all dead and buried. Peter mentions this in his sermon in Acts chapter 2. Where is the tomb of David? It's with us today. He's dead. There's something greater than David. There's a true rest that's greater, a true kingdom that's greater, where the enemies of death and sin and misery no longer reign over us. Where diseases are healed and taken away. We talked a few weeks ago about the warfare that came when sin entered into the world. There was a warfare between God and man. That's the primary warfare. But that also brought about the warfare of the body against us. My wife and I are both struggling with joint pain and knee pain and upcoming surgeries. It seems like our bodies betray us as we get older. We suffer from relational warfare spouses against each other fathers and mothers and children against each other we suffer with the warfare between nations Israel and Gaza isn't going to be solved on this earth because the warfare continues there will be wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and as long as those things are continuing the kingdom is not yet as long as there's men suffering with abnormal swellings of the bodies, this mysterious disease that we're not quite sure what it is, as long as that's happening, the kingdom of God is not yet. But as we look at this feast, we know that it happened on the Sabbath day, and we know that this man was a plant. He was placed there by the Pharisees to test Jesus. They were watching him closely to see what he would do. So they put one of the riffraff there. To the Pharisee, the kingdom of God is controlling the riffraff. It's making sure that the unacceptable ones are outside and the acceptable ones are seated. And so even in their feasts, the seating arrangements were extremely important. The riffraff was allowed to gather outside and watch who the important people were, who were on the platforms, who were the ones that were there, who were the ones that were invited, who were sitting the highest up in the feast. Everybody was watching. But outside, there were the poor. There was a woman at one time that washed Jesus' feet, so she had access to wash the feet, but no access to sit at the table. Very clearly in the arrangement, the riffraff were outside. And this man, with his disability of whatever it was, would have been considered the riffraff. He was a sinner. 
The Pharisees believed that illness, death, misery, disease, poverty, all came because people were sinners, and so it was their individual sin. We see this coming back in uh, neuthetic counseling, or what's called biblical counseling today, where if you have an illness or depression or anxiety or struggles in your life, well, find the, find the sin, confess the sin, and it'll all go away. Phariseeism raising its head. This man has dropsy. His big problem is not that he's sick. His big problem is that he's a sinner. And the kingdom of God is getting rid of the sinners. It's the sinners outside. While the accepted people are inside, sitting around the table. The Tower of Babel sought to build the kingdom on this earth, but somebody's got to make the bricks. Pharaoh wanted to build the kingdom of God on the earth, but somebody's got to make the bricks. And so here are all the Pharisees and the important people sitting down to eat a meal. Who made the meal? Who's waiting on them? The kingdom of God is us. Them are outside. So this man was a plant. This man was a plant to test the conflicting notions of what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God, according to the Pharisees, are those who know how to keep the Sabbath. The kingdom of God are those who know how to do the law. The good ones, the wealthy ones, the ones that get invited to the tables, the important movers and shakers in the kingdom of God. Even the kingdom of David, with its lists of the mighty men, have the mighty men sitting around the table of David. Who are the mighty men? The mighty men in the kingdom of God, those sitting around the Pharisees' table at this feast? These are the ones, the movers, the shakers, the advisors, the generals, the planners. Is this the kingdom of God? And that's the test. They know that Jesus heals and has compassion inexplicably on the ill, the beggars, the outcasts, the women, the children, those that can't help at all in building the kingdom of God. His inner circle is made up of fishermen and tax collectors for crying out loud. So this is a test. And he walks in, he looks at him and taunting them says, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day or not? Do you know what the point of the Sabbath is? Is it to build your kingdom and to work hard, proving that you're better than the guy around you? Is it to build your kingdom so that the riffraff can see you walking in in your Sunday best that they don't even own into your fancy church and your fancy pews and have the seats named after your family? Is that the kingdom of God? Is it building the political coalitions? He stops and notices this man. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? They don't say a word. So Jesus touches him. And he healed him. And sent him on his way. The scripture says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. And the concept of ceremonial cleanliness, if you touch a man who is unclean, you become unclean. All of those laws pointed to the one who would touch the unclean. Take it outside the camp and put it to death on the cross. 
He gives his cleanliness, his health. Jesus gives it to this man. And he takes from this man his abnormal swelling, metaphorically, of course. The uncleanness he takes upon himself. And then he takes it outside the camp and puts it to death. This was what was going on on the cross. This is the kingdom of God. This was what Jesus came to do. And then our text tells us he looks around the room and he sees this feast. And he has some things to say about it. Again, contrasting the kingdom of God with the kingdoms of this world. And we'll look at that over the next few weeks. Thank you for joining in. May God bless you today. Enjoy the beautiful weather and our good God and his great gifts to us. Looking forward to that day when Jesus comes again and we dine at the marriage supper of the Lamb.